Hello, and welcome to my first podcast. This is the first of a series of podcasts which I'm going to be providing over the next six months. My name is Richard Schroeder, and I have 40 years of experience in operations, strategic planning, as well as Six Sigma and operational excellence. Being one of the originators of Six Sigma and the originator of operational excellence, the current planned podcast, which I plan on providing over the next six months, are Is Six Sigma Real? What Happened to Six Sigma in Today's Environment? How the Six Sigma Experts, Black Belts, Master Black Belts, and Companies are Missing the Entire Big Picture, The Truth and History of Six Sigma and Operational Excellence, Why Are Experts Currently Failing Us During the COVID Era, and What Are We Not Looking At in Regards to Data, The Current Art of Not Losing Real Data in Industry, the Everyone Gets a Trophy Syndrome, the champion role in organizations that use Six Sigma, and why it has suddenly disappeared and no one even discusses it when it is really one of the two hinge pins of providing two result, true results, I should say, with the Six Sigma environment. The airline luggage fiasco and how it's gotten back to the level of poor performance from the 80s and how this could be prevented and solved in just a few months the state of quality and customer satisfaction today, the marketing of quality, and lastly, are businesses truly capable today? I will now provide, which is the true purpose of today's podcast, some background on myself to the listener so you have a better understanding of my experience and how that relates to the topics that we're going to discuss. I graduated from Penn State University with a dual degree in business and mechanical engineering. My first true job out of college was with Fisher Body Division, which was with General Motors in Trenton, New Jersey. At the time, it was the largest Fisher Body plant in the world, and we supplied all the hardware, seat adjusters, door handles, and trim for every GM plant in the entire world. At the end of every shift, each evening, we would ship out roughly 190 to 250 boxcars out of the one end of the plant, various parts every to every assembly plant around the world. At the other end of the plant, we would be disposing of probably 250 to 300 boxcars of scrap. Having started as a quality engineer, which I really at the time coming out of college had no idea what a quality engineer was, I had the responsibility of several of the lines and then eventually took over the entire plant as the lead manager of quality. I then started to educate myself on exactly what is this whole topic of quality. I did a lot of research, and the time it was either you were either a Deming follower or a Duran follower. I found myself in the camp of Joe Duran on the management and quality and how you have to really manage all the pieces of an organization. And although I was a believer and understand the importance of the process control capability aspect, as you know, which was one of Deming's key points, I was still more the management of how you manage the total process and build an environment and culture of quality. That's how I became very interested in learning aspects of quality from General Motors. I then went to a company called Pittsburgh Forgings, and on the first day of my job there as quality manager, the doors were padlocked by the government for lack of traceability in regards to the parts for the Trident submarines 
and Westinghouse nuclear power plants. I had to put in a complete new quality system to prove we had traceability and new methods to be able to have that traceability. That is where I learned traceability, but more importantly, how you put a quality system in to having that total traceability. I was then recruited by Harris Corporation and there was the head of the quality department for the printing division. Harris at the time came up with the concept of USA Today and we made the printing presses for all of the distribution companies such as R.R. Donnelly around the United States to print newspapers in color which is the whole selling aspect of USA Today. We also came up with the concept the first lights out factory which was totally automated and I learned a great deal in regards to benchmarking in doing this. The senior VP of operations and I traveled the world seeking new casting methods for the printing press side frames and rollers and the best CNC and CMM machines we could find. The factory had a total of 20 employees over a square block and it was fully automated. This received a great deal of notoriety and I was recruited by Coopers and Librand in Boston to start their manufacturing consulting practice. This would be the first time they went into the manufacturing aspect as a consulting practice. It was probably, in retrospect, the only career mistake I made. I went there with the intention of building this capability to help companies improve and I came to find out that they were really not interested in helping companies improve. They just wanted to make sure there were billable hours. And being naive, I did not realize this at the time when I agreed to take the position. So needless to say, we were at odds. They wanted billable hours just to put anyone out there even though they weren't capable. And I wanted to put capable people out there to help companies improve. So let me just say the relationship did not last very long. I was then recruited by Motorola and started in the Codex division at CODEX, which was the division that did all of the modems, modem technology, was the key modem technology driver of the world, all large network frames used in cellular towers, voice and data, as well as computerized systems around the world. It was there I began my journey with the Malcolm Baldrige Quality Award. And I worked with Dr. Kurt Ryman in the National Institute of Standards and Technology and helped him write the criteria for the Malcolm Baldrige Quality Award. And being in Motorola at the time, when Six Sigma first started, when Bill Smith brought it forward and Bob Galvin Sr. realized the importance of total defect elimination, but more importantly, the power that Six Sigma had and that is how the whole Six Sigma 10x improvement journey actually started. I convinced Bob Galvin to apply for the Malcolm Baldrige Award for the first time. I was also at the time for Malcolm Baldrige, their senior examiner and head of their training for Malcolm Baldrige. I held that position for Malcolm Baldrige for 10 years and in that time I reviewed hundreds of applications and did dozens of on-site visits. Of course, I recused myself from reviewing the Motorola application, and they won the first Baldridge Award, and that's when Six Sigma really became a very common term in the business acumen. Motorola spent the next several years training other companies on it, explaining it to other companies, 
and why it was so important and the value that it provided at the time. I was the head of this knowledge sharing at Motorola University, and then I left Motorola and went to ABB, Asaya Brown Bavari. ABB at the time in the 80s was the largest multi-conglomerate in the world and had eight different divisions building everything from power plants, nuclear power plants, high-speed trains, transformers, power distribution, network controls, automation control, paint systems for automobile factories, and paint recovery. ABB was a common case study for many years on a matrix organization. I worked for ABB for, at ABB for Gerhard Schulmeier. Gerhard came from Motorola as well as Ingenui, who went on to become the CEO of PepsiCo. We all came from Motorola at the same time, so the three of us went to ABB with the mindset of taking this giant conglomerate and driving it into more Six Sigma type results and applying the Six Sigma tools to very large industrial sector. This is where I realized that Six Sigma was not a quality tool, but truly was a business tool and mindset. I therefore retooled the Six Sigma concept of turning it from a quality tool to a business tool to drive bottom line results. I hired Mike Harry from Motorola, and Mike, as you know, went on to be known as one of the Six Sigma gurus with myself. And Mike and I were partners when we developed and started the Six Sigma Academy. I asked Mike to go out and work on different products that people could not understand where or how Six Sigma could possibly be applied. The first thing we did was work on transformers, and we took 20% of the weight out of transformers, which are the large ones that are on the ground, as well as the ones that you see hanging on telephone poles. Improved the reliability of transformers 43%, and reduced the cost of every transformer by 33%. Another area which we applied Six Sigma was we reduced the reserves of building a power plant. Building a power plant takes anywhere from three to five to six years, and you would have to have huge reserves that you would need to put aside for issues of things that went wrong, contract issues, late startups, being late, and so on. In regards to the contract, we reduced the time of building a power plant by roughly a third, to the degree where we could reduce the reserves by over 57%, which is hundreds of millions of dollars, because we were able to reduce the time and the defects in building the power plant, this would be hundreds of millions that went directly to the bottom line immediately. This also drew a lot of attention, as well as the significance of how strong Six Sigma really can be in regards to driving business results. It was during this time when Jack Welch got his first recognition and awareness of what Six Sigma was. ABB and GE were the two major providers, all power plants in the world. And we would bid on power plants against each other. We would actually meet, and even though we were competitors, I met with Jack several times and explained to him how Six Sigma was providing these advantages to us because he could not understand how we could possibly price some of the power plants the way we were and how our reserves were disappearing. 
Indra, as you know, went on to PepsiCo, and Gerhard went to become the CEO of Siemens. I then went with Allied Signal, which is now Honeywell, working for Larry Bossidy as the head of operations. This is the first time when Six Sigma was applied as a business process to drive bottom line results on a total large scale. Larry had taken over and had several divisions, aircraft avionics, aircraft engines, automotive, chemicals, and laminating. Several of these businesses were really strapped in regards to providing net income results. I was given the responsibility with coming up with a plan as to how to improve the overall operational capability and put more money on the bottom line, or if that did not work, to put together a scenario as to which businesses we should sell off. This is when I applied Six Sigma as a business tool for the first time on a grand scale. I gave Larry a presentation, as well as the board of directors, that by applying Six Sigma, we would put roughly 500 to 600 million on the net income line every year for the next four years. Needless to say, there was a lot of trepidation and non-belief by not only the board members, but as well a great number of the senior members of the organization. Larry being Larry, however, believed in it, researched it enough, and on his own, decided that this was the way that we would go forward. I did enough tutorials with him he said, I want to try this Six Sigma on a grand scale and see if we can truly make a difference with all these businesses as our first step. So I put together a plan, and I was working with the time one of the finance heads, James Gelly, who also worked with all the Wall Street analysts as to how we would attack and implement Six Sigma using it as a business tool to drive net income results across all the divisions. James and I went door to door, desk to desk, and we educated Wall Street, all the buy and sell analysts. Larry was not aware of this, and it received resounding excitement and support from the analysts. I contacted Mike Carey again, and he came and worked for me, and we put together the training plan for all of Allied Signal. We also held a two-day off-site for 150 of the Wall Street buy-sell analysts to educate them as to how Six Sigma will be used as a business tool. We educated everyone how this was going to be different and not a quality tool, but a business tool. This was the true beginning of Six Sigma business's impact. As people were wary of the Six Sigma term, I called it operational excellence and I am the originator of that term. All these other individuals in industry today that continually talk about operational excellence really do not know what it is, or how it originated, or how it should be used. So operational excellence was the phrase that we gave to the Six Sigma business process. The difference of driving it as a business tool versus a quality tool, which they thought it really was, had astounding great success. We put 560 million the first year on the bottom line, 590 the next year, the 610 million the third year on the net income line, and had total complete success. As this was going on, 
Once again, it got a lot of attention by GE and Jack Welsh. Jack and Larry worked together at GE and were very good friends. Jack asked me to come up to GE, talk to him about Six Sigma, and how we were putting so much money on the net income line, and he also was, remembered the time that we met back at ABB. I explained the entire process to him, and he said, this is what I want to do. And I put together the Six Sigma plan. I was doing this helping him in GE, even though I was an officer of Allied Signal, and Larry and Jack, being such good friends, allowed it. I would do the quarterly reviews with Jack and his senior executive and business unit presidents and provide critique and guidance. I put Jack in touch with Mike Harry and had them contact Mike to train all the master black belts at GE. That's where Mike started doing all the master black belt training and developed the material which certain consulting organizations still use today even though it is severely dated. From this point, when Mike was done at GE, I left Allied Signal, and we were having discussions, Michael and I, about starting the first business consulting of Six Sigma. We came up with the Six Sigma Academy and started it in Scottsdale, Arizona, and offered Six Sigma to other companies around the world. Mike was excellent, probably the smartest statistician that I encountered in my career and he knew how to use numbers to provide capabilities or capabilities and how to put that together using Minitab and Excel files. We hired Terry Ziemer from Minitab, and Minitab was the first company to put together statistical process tools in a software program to measure processes and present it with your computer to show capabilities and process control charts. Between Mike, Myself and Terry is how the Six Sigma Academy started and how the whole Six Sigma really became a major term and process in industry. Terry was the software person that developed the software which we used and gave it to Minitab. I was the person working on acquiring clients and to buy into the Six Sigma concept and would put together the business case as to how it would help individual corporations deliver net income to the bottom line. As good as Mike was with numbers, he was not very good in regards to business. So that fell on my side to talk to the business language to the CEOs and CFOs. We were very, very successful being the only quote unquote game in town. We trained roughly 35 to 40 of the Fortune 100 companies just to mention a few, there is Dow, DuPont, Sony, Toshiba, Hitachi, Nokia, Bombardier, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson Controls, Mayo Clinic, Seagate, and the list goes on and on. I left the Academy in 2001 and went on my own to provide individual consulting one-on-one -on -one for CEOs and had roughly 10 other consulting clients to bring Six Sigma to their operations as well as driving their business strategy. Probably the next largest singular success to note, even though they were all successful and there were no true failures at any time, I would have to say it was Kraft Foods. The CEO at the time of Kraft, before it split between Kraft and Mondelez, was very intrigued with Six Sigma. 
I explained to the CEO and Kraft, and then both of the CEOs of Kraft and Mondelez post-split, the importance, and more importantly, the results which Six Sigma could provide to them. We went in and benchmarked all of the manufacturing locations for Kraft. In three weeks, we baselined 53 plants in total. The overall capability was much, much less, orders of magnitude less, than anyone in Kraft had thought or believed. It was from there we put together a very large Six Sigma deployment equal to in size Allied Signal, or equal to the one of the deployment at GE, with the same concept of the number of black belts per employee, per locations, champions to drive the overall process, master black belts to continue training future black belts, and so on. Kraft also realized 550 to 650 net income dollars improvement every year for three straight years. But once again, it took a CEO who had the determination to use it as a major business tool as Larry Bossidy did, as Jack Welsh did, and as other CEOs which we trained when I was with the Academy. I'm at the stage now where I just want to be able to assist and provide knowledge and experience and learning cycles to executives, quality experts, black belts, and individuals how they can improve their company and or themselves and use this knowledge and experience that I've acquired over the past 40 years. I also want people to become aware of the number of trainers of so-called black belts are not capable, have never done it, or have never provided results. And people should really do a very in-depth search of who are the people that are going to train them in Six Sigma. We'll cover more of this in future podcasts as we go forward. I want to thank you for listening to my first podcast. My next one will also be available in seven days, which was entitled, What is Six Sigma and Why Is It Not Working Anymore? I want to thank you for listening. Please send me any ideas, comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts or topics which you possibly would like me to cover. Please send your ideas and comments to richschroeder1 at gmail.com. Once again, that's richschroeder, the number one, at gmail.com. Or go to my website, richschroeder.com. R-I-C-H-S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. Thank you again for listening, and have a great day.